Hi, guys. Thanks for keeping on listening. We are away on parental leave right now. Yes, but we still wanted to make sure that you guys had content to listen to while we were away. So here is one of our oldies but goodies. Check out the website for some updated notes on this particular episode since our recording. Hope you enjoy, and we'll see you when we're back. All right, guys, welcome back. This is Faye. This is Nick. And this is Creogs Over Over Coffee. Coffee. Today, we have the very exciting topic of infertility. Yeah, we'll specifically spend time on working up infertility in the office. So our learning objectives for today are number one, to define what infertility is and what normal fertility is. Number two, we'll talk about the most likely causes of infertility. And number three, we'll discuss the initial workup of infertility as in your first infertility visit, so to speak. So Faye, start us off. What's infertility? Okay, so before we can define infertility, Nick, let's talk about first what is normal fertility. So looking at previous studies of what percent of women will conceive um, in a normal year with regular unprotected intercourse, um, studies have found that this is somewhere between 82 to 92 percent. And as expected, fecundity will decrease over time with the increasing age of the female partner. Um, And 5 to 15 percent of apparently normal couples will conceive in that second 12 months of attempting conception. So after 24 months of trying to conceive, 95% of couples will have conceived. So then if we talk about what actual infertility is, a woman is considered infertile if she's been having regular intercourse for 12 months or longer without conception, uh, without birth control, if she is before 35, and for six months if she is greater than 35 years old. And the percentage of women that meet this definition in prospective studies in the U.S. is about 12 to 18%. And as expected, the frequency of infertility does increase with the increasing age of that female partner. So uh, that percentage is between somewhere between 7 to 9% uh, in women that are 15 to 34, about 25% in women that are 35 to 39, and then 30% in women who are 40 to 44. So Nick, knowing this, when should we think about initiating workup? So to start your workup off, again, kind of as you've defined, Faye, And young women really should be after 12 months of trying. Again, you mentioned 82 to 92% of women are going to conceive with regular intercourse in the first 12 months. So after that point, that's when we should consider initiating workup for young women. In women older than 35, though, we can consider doing an infertility evaluation after six months of regular trying, knowing that the frequency of infertility is going to go up in that particular population. A caveat to this, though, if the female partner has a history of risk factors for premature ovarian failure, so things like previous autoimmune disease, extensive ovarian surgery, cytotoxic drugs, pelvic radiation, known fragile X syndrome mutation carrier, those are all things that can be signs for premature ovarian failure and so would require an initial workup sooner. Um, So important to take that history. Faye, there's a lot of reasons to care about infertility. You know, there's certainly a number of implications, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And so when we think about infertility, 
we can think about how it would affect a woman and her partner psychologically. There's certain an economic uh, implication as well as demographic and, of course, many medical implications. And it is something that we should think about because there is an increasing demand of infertility services in the United Absolutely. States. Absolutely. So, Nick, let's kind of start off by thinking about, you know, when a woman comes in to see you for her very first infertility visit. Um, what would you tell her would be the most likely causes of infertility? We'll start off talking about the most likely things and then progress the least likely things okay. in terms of explaining what our most common causes would be as you explain the rationale for a workup. Unfortunately, the most common type of infertility is unexplained infertility. And this accounts for about 28% of infertile couples. The next highest risk actually is male factor infertility. So hypogonadism, post-testicular defects, seminiferous tubule dysfunction. And this represents about 26% of infertility overall. So again, it's important that you kind of treat the couple presumably as a unit when doing an infertility evaluation. Subsequent to that, we have ovulatory dysfunction, which accounts for about 21% of infertility. Tubal damage, which is about 14%. Endometriosis is about 6%. Um, coital problems also account for about 6% of infertility. These numbers, if you were checking me as you were listening, are going to add up to greater than 100%. Um, but it's important to note as well that many couples have multiple reasons for infertility. And so you really, again, have to kind of tease that out because you may have like a male factor alongside an ovulatory dysfunction or a coital problem alongside male factor. Um, you never know. So again, important to take that history. I guess that's a good segue, Faye. Let's talk about history. Yes, so definitely, you're absolutely right, Nick. Remember to ask a complete history, and remember to ask both partners, right? You said that we should be thinking about both partners as uh, a unit. And so in the female partner, you want to ask things like their past medical history, surgical history. So for example, do they have a history of cancer, previous treatments of cancer, any ovarian surgery or uterine surgery? You want to ask their menstrual history, for example, the timing of menses, regularity, and things like that, and a history of previous pregnancies. In terms of a social history, you want to elicit if she is a smoker or if she has drug use or alcohol use that is excessive. In the male partner, you want to do the same, particularly eliciting a history of possible testicular trauma, cancer, or exposure to cytotoxic drugs, and also a history of previous children. And then from the couple as a unit, you want to ask them about the regularity of intercourse, timing of intercourse. Sometimes it's as simple as, are they having intercourse when your female patient is ovulating? And also, is he ejaculating within his partner? Um, these are all things that you want to make sure to sort out, even as simple as they sound. Um, what about a physical exam, Nick? What do you look for? Yeah, so again, fertility can be anywhere, as we've talked about in previous episodes, Faye, from head to pelvis, I guess. Um, and so you need to do a complete physical exam. Things that you should be looking for are common factors for infertility. So again, evidence of polycystic ovarian syndrome, so hyperandrogenism, things like facial hair, male pattern baldness, evidence of insulin resistance, things like acanthosis nigricans, and finally evidence of thyroid disease as well, things like thyroid hypertrophy, a goiter, exophthalmos, and things like Graves' disease. Endocrine dysfunction is what you want to look for on your physical exam. Additionally, you also want to do a pelvic exam. No, it'd be a shame to go through an infertility workup and miss the fact that 
there's no uterus there. So you want to make sure that all of the parts are present. Um, and then additionally, kind of, we'll talk a little bit more, but part of your physical exam too can also reveal things that may suggest problems with like coital dysfunction, so vaginismus, other things like that. Right. It wouldn't be an REI workup, Faye, without laboratory testing. Of course. <laughs> so what do we need to do in the lab? Um, so I, I tell my patients that when we do laboratory and imaging testing, that we're thinking about all the parts that we need to make a baby. So you want to make sure that the sperm is there and it's working. You want to make sure that the eggs are there and they're working. And you want to make sure that there's a place for the sperm and the egg to come together and form that fetus. Right, so the first thing is a semen analysis. You want to rule out male factor because that's an easy enough thing to do. A lot of times we'll have patients come and see us by themselves and they'll feel like not being able to get pregnant is her problem, whereas maybe she doesn't have an issue at all. Maybe um, you know he has a sperm that is non-modal or perhaps he has some issues uh, with, with the sperm. You then also want to assess ovarian reserve, and this can be done looking at day three FSH as well as an estradiol level. And by day three, I mean the third day of the menstrual cycle. Um, and finally, at our institution, we use something called the anti-malarian hormone um, as well as antral follicle count. Antral follicle count is basically an early cycle count of the antral follicles, and it's done on day three of the cycle. And what is normal can differ from each institution, but is usually between three to eight follicles per ovary. And finally, you want to do an assessment of the uterine cavity. And you can do this either with a hysterosalpingogram or with a sonohistogram. Um, you can also test tube patency as well with both of these tests, though with the sonohistogram, know that if there is spilling of the fluid into the posterior cul-de-sac, that only confirms that at least one tube is patent, not both. Um, and last of all, you can think about getting a TSH to check for thyroid function. One thing that I, I that I know is an issue, especially among our patient population, Nick, is that all of this costs a lot of money. It absolutely does. And it's unfortunate, but even though infertility, again, as we talked about, has a number of implications for the patient psychologically, um, medically, it also has a lot of cost implications for patients. Not all testing is covered by insurance. Um, and in fact, in many places, the workup and treatment of infertility is not covered at all and can be very, very expensive over, uh, over time. Because of this, really, with that initial evaluation, there really should be a discussion with the patient to talk about which tests are most important for defining the cause of infertility. So, for instance, if you have a patient who has a history of oligomenorrhea or amenorrhea and clinical evidence suggesting androgen excess, perhaps they have PCOS. Um, and so perhaps you could even think about beginning treatment in that case after just a semen analysis to rule out male factor. Um, or you could do cheaper testing if you're concerned about cavity dysfunction with like a sonohist instead of an HSG. Again, you have to get a little bit creative with some of this stuff. And if you do think that it's an easy fix, um, which we'll talk about fixes in a future episode, you want to be thorough in your workup, but also smart about your workup. Absolutely. And as you said, Nick, we'll talk about treatment next time. So let's go ahead and sum up. Perfect. So first we defined normal fertility, suggesting that somewhere between 82 to 92% of women will conceive within one year of having regular unprotected intercourse, and that fecundity decreases over time. We then defined infertility as a woman who's having regular, consistent intercourse for 12 months or longer without contraception if before age 35 and for six months after age 35. We should initiate workup again at those time intervals.
We care about infertility because of the psychologic, economic, demographic, and medical implications of infertility. And at the first infertility visit, we really should think about the most likely causes of infertility. And unfortunately, that most likely cause is infertility that is unexplained. When you meet your patient, you should do a complete history that involves both partners, including past medical history, menstrual history, um, history of previous pregnancies, and for the male, a history of possible testicular trauma, cancer, or exposure to cytotoxic drugs. With your physical exam, you want to do a complete head to pelvis physical exam, looking for evidence of endocrine dysfunction, things like PCOS, insulin resistance, or thyroid disease, as well as making sure all of the parts are in play to have a pregnancy. We also should consider laboratory testing. Things that you can think about include a semen analysis to rule out male factor infertility, an assessment of ovarian reserve, which oftentimes involves using a day three of the menstrual cycle FSH in combination with an estradiol level, or using an anti-malarian hormone and antral follicle count. You can also consider uterine cavity assessment with hysterosalpingogram or sonohistogram, as well as, again, other endocrine tests like a TSH. Finally, just make sure that you are considering the cost of this entire workup as unfortunately sometimes this is not covered by insurance. And so while you want to be thorough in your workup, you also want to make sure that you are ordering the tests that are most high yield for your patient. All right. So once again, this is Nick. This is Faye. And this has been Creogs Over Coffee. If you enjoy this podcast, go ahead and go on to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or any of your other podcatchers and give us a five-star rating and review. Find us online on Twitter at CreogsOverCoff1, on Facebook at CreogsOverCoffee, on Instagram at CreogsOverCoffee, or head on over to our Patreon, www.patreon.com slash CreogsOverCoffee, where you can send us some love and in return get a shout out on the show or some swag. You can also find all of our adjunct material on our website on www.creogsovercoffee.com. And finally, if you have a correction to today's episode, an idea for a future episode, or just want to say hello, send us an email, creogsovercoffee at gmail.com. <laughs>